Blessed assurance, amen, 51. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, lost in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Sing it out. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Let's do one more song, page 507. 507. His way with thee. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Would you have him make you free and follow at his call? Would you know the peace that comes by giving all? Would you have him save you so that you can never fall? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you are to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Now this time we'll have the children 11 and under dismissed to the children's church.
And let's sing that last verse of page 507. Would you in his kingdom find a place of constant rest? Would you prove him true in providential test? Would you in his service labor always at your best? Let him have his way with be his power. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Amen, and you can be seated. All right, and just before the message, we're going to have a special in song, Sarah and Andrew. Let's see him do it this morning. I boast not of works, nor tell of good deeds, for not have I done to merit His grace. All glory and praise shall rest upon Him, so willing to die in my place. I will glory in the cross, in the cross, this is suffering all be in vain. I will weep no more for the cross that he bore. I will glory in the cross. My trophies and crowns, my robe stained with sin, t'was all that I had to lay at his feet. Unworthy to eat from the table of life, till love made provision for me. I will glory in the cross, in the cross, lest his suffering all be in vain. I will weep no more for the cross that he bore. I will glory in the cross. So I'll cherish the trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I will weep no more for the cross 
that is our message and that is our glory is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Without it, there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no hope. But praise God, there is a cross. Amen. And let's turn to Romans chapter 10. And this morning, what I want us to do is... uh, Maybe a little unusual for Sunday morning. We normally reserve verse, uh, verse by verse for Thursday night in our Bible study. Uh, we're certainly not going to be going into as much depth as we often do on Thursday night. We're going to try to go through a whole chapter of the Bible this morning. And, and I promise you I'll have you out by 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, we should be finished by then. But uh, we're going to start in verse 1 of Romans chapter 10. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. And he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, we're going to go through this whole chapter, but I I would like to just give you uh, maybe a a subject or a a topic uh, of this morning's message. And it's simply this, reasons why people will not believe or be saved. Uh, We've done a a little bit of tongue-in-cheek over the last couple of Thursday nights about excuses because that's what the book of Hebrews where we're going through is about. But we're talking about reasons, real honest reasons why people will hear the gospel, will hear the truth, will actually know what the Bible says and yet never be saved. And I believe that's the topic of this chapter right here. And we look here and Paul is speaking and he said, My heart's desire for Israel. Now remember, Paul was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. He had been trained after the strictest sect of the Jewish religion, the Pharisees. And we've gone over repeatedly just a few things that the Apostle Paul, his requirements were to even join this group. He had to have the first five books of the Bible memorized. Now imagine that, to be able to quote the entire book of Deuteronomy without one mistake. And add to that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Now you're getting just a little idea of how religious the Apostle Paul was and the Jewish people were in general. Uh, There wasn't just one Pharisee. Paul wasn't the only guy who made the cut. There were many, many of these people in the Jewish religion. And Paul says, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And I want to challenge you today to think of today's headlines, to think of where we live today, because do we not live in a world that is full of religion. Do we? Amen, yes, 
No. I mean, I mean, there's religion everywhere you go. Brooklyn is known as the borough of churches. How many of you knew that? That's its nickname. And uh, you drive down through uh, the streets of Brooklyn and you will see churches. And, and not just little tiny buildings. I mean, huge edifices after, uh, after huge buildings. Now, unfortunately, many of those things today have been transformed into theaters and into housing and into all kinds of other things. But there was a time when, I mean, there was a church literally on nearly every corner in that borough of Brooklyn. Or if it wasn't on every corner, I mean, there was a corner somewhere. Uh, I mean, walking distance, four or five churches everywhere. We look at this. And I, I'm just trying to promote to you this morning that our world is no less full of religion than Paul's world was. And yet, my heart's desire is that people will not be religious, but that people will be saved. There's a huge difference between being religious and being saved. And as we go through this, he says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. There are many people who are thoroughly convinced if sincerity in and of itself were the judge of truth, then we would have many, many, many people going to heaven. But we live in a world full of people who are absolutely, sincerely wrong. And that's what Paul's bringing out right here. That's why I often say, this book called the Bible is tomorrow's headlines. Amen? It is more current than anything you can read or listen to or watch today. If you want to know what's going on, just get in this book called the Bible and you'll find out. I mean, it's all in here. Amen? And as we look here, it says, For I bear them record, verse 2, they have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. One of the favorite little sayings I've picked up over the years that if everything that everyone said was in the Bible were actually in the Bible, there would not be a library in the world big enough to contain the book. You get that? I mean, there's an awful lot of quotations out there. A lot of people attribute things to the Bible. They're just not in there. I've got a little program on my computer and I can type in phrases, and I can find them in the Bible. And I wish I could tell you every phrase that comes into this mind of mine, I type it in, and there it comes up. I remembered the Bible verse. You know what I find out? Uh, I remembered most of it. That little computer is so stupid that if I type just one word wrong, it won't find it. Anybody else have that problem? It's not the computer's fault now, is it? The only way we can know what the Bible says is to get into it, amen, is to read it over and over again, is to hear it, as we will find out. They have a zeal for God. There are many people who are zealous 
They are excited. I mean, they jump up and down and they do all kinds of incredible antics to try to prove that they have Jesus. The Bible says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. We're going to date some people here today. How many, of you, how many people remember the moral majority? Uh, that was back in the 80s. And it was a movement that really culminated in the election of Ronald Reagan as the President of the United States. It, it was a group of people that came together uh, of all kinds of religions. It, its leader was a man at, named Jerry Falwell. And, and they uh, came together and formed this thing called the Moral Majority. Now, there was a lot of people that were zealous they thought that this was going to solve all the problems of the United States of America by getting someone in the White House who actually believed this book. And if you read Ronald Reagan's writings, he believed this book. I have, I have hope that we'll see him in heaven. He gave clear testimony of putting his faith in Jesus Christ as the only sacrifice for his sins. But I'm here to tell you today, this is going to shock you, we had Ronald Reagan for two terms as president, and our country is much worse today morally than it was in the 80s when he was the president. That we have lost more freedoms and more righteousness and more morality in our country in the last 25 years than at any other time in the history of this nation. No, it's not Ronald Reagan's fault. All right, I'm not a Democrat. It's not Ronald Reagan's fault. It's not the Democrats' fault either. It's because people thought that just because we had someone in the White House who agreed with most of what the Bible said, that he would solve all of our problems. That's a zeal for God. But it's not according to knowledge, my friends. Salvation is not in the White House. Salvation and peace and all of the things that you and I truly seek for are not in the Capitol building, praise God. They're not at the United Nations across the river. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. No other place, no other thing can you go to, no other group can you join if you want to know what God has for you, it's got to be in a local Bible-believing, I believe it should have the name Baptist on the door, church. It ought to be one that believes literally the words of this book called the Bible. This Bible describes what is going on and what has happened in our country I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. God does not save nations. He does not save cities. He does not save people groups. He saves souls one at a time. Amen? And it is those saved souls who can influence their society and the culture in which they live. But that... That is not the goal of the church. The church's purpose is not to influence the culture in which we live. 
and to shape the politics in, uh, that shape our government, that is not the job of the church. The job of the church is to glorify Jesus Christ. Now, if the church really did its job, let me tell you something, the culture is going to be influenced. Amen? It can't help it. You just read all the vitriol and hatred of the rabid religious right. I mean, they can't say it without slobbering on the newsprint, can they? You listen in the microphone at the radio station. Oh, the rabid right is at it again. Oh, they just go nuts. Well, if you haven't figured out yet, you, you've entered a place where the rabid right exists, <laughs> just about as rabid as it gets. I didn't know I was in a place like that. Listen, it's not what they say. Because the people who serve God do so according to the words of this book. And they're going to be some of the most sane and peaceful and quiet and loving and helpful people you will ever meet in this life. Because that's what the message the Bible teaches. The Bible has never, ever. In the New Testament, there is not one command for the church to go out and kill somebody who doesn't believe what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus said, You know the Son, and ye shall be what? Free indeed. The religious freedom we enjoy today is because of this book and because of people who literally believe the words. All of the problems that we have going on today is people that have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. God does not need your help to straighten out this world. He'll do so all by himself. Amen? We don't stock guns in the basement. Honest, I'll give you a tour afterward if you doubt my word. We're not here to try to do anything crazy except... If you think crazy is this book called the Bible, well, then we're qualified. Amen? And I want more of it. Because that's where the answers are. There's a lot of people zealous about a lot of crazy things out there. But it's not, it's not in this book. That people strapping bombs to themselves and blowing up things because they believe they're zealous for their God. Well, there's only one answer to that. Their God's not the God of this book called the Bible. Because this God doesn't ask us to do those kinds of things. He tells us to love our enemies, not murder them. Not subjugate them. We're not here to shove anything down anybody's throat. Our members are here today of their own free will. Because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the problems that we have is there's a lot of zeal out there, but it's not according to knowledge. Look at what it says in verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now comes that nasty word, submission. Oh, we hate that word today. I don't submit to anybody. Well, listen. You don't have to submit to anyone or anything being an American. But I do suggest 
that if that police officer says, move your car, that you should move it. Amen? Otherwise, they might move it for you, and it could cost you three or $400. That's not really smart. Uh, I, I would suggest today that we have laws in this country, and it would really be a good idea if you submitted yourselves to them. Amen? I mean, can I make a joke? Don't, don't hire government employees to chauffeur your wife around. It's, it's breaking the law. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to submit to the laws. And, and if we had an attorney general that believed in the laws, he'd prosecute that thing. But, well, anyway. I, I'm, I'm really getting off of the, the term. You know, people, the reason why we're in such trouble is because we do not listen the laws. We don't submit. You get pulled over. I wasn't speeding. How fast were you going? I don't know. Well, then how do you know if you weren't speeding or not? You really want to make a police officer mad? Start making excuses. Let me tell you. Here's what the Bible says. It says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness... They go about and they try to establish their own righteousness. That's why we have so many different religions today. Is because everyone is trying to come up with their own set of rules and regulations. And I mean, some of it's absolutely crazy. And if I described it to you as people describe it, I mean, if I described to you their religion in, in actual terms and put it right out, you, you would say, that's crazy. You see, there's a religion. Let's just give an example today. There's a religion that says that Jesus Christ and the devil were brothers, different mothers, same father, and that there's really not a place called heaven, but if you'll be good enough, on Resurrection Day, you can get up on, out of your tomb and you can be judged by the triumvirate there that, that is sitting in heaven, God the Father, God the Son, and Joseph Smith. And if they judge you good enough, they're going to give you your own planet and a celestial harem for which you can produce spirit babies for all the people that live on your planet just like on planet Earth. Now, how many of you think that sounds nuts? Huh? That's crazy. I mean, that's almost as bad as Louis Farrakhan and his mothership floating around somewhere. The only problem was there was a guy named Applewaite who said, if you're going to get on the mothership, you've got to put a plastic bag over your head and wrap your face in a purple handkerchief and, and kill yourself, commit suicide, and you'll get on the ship. I mean, whatever happened to the transporter like they have on Star Trek, huh? I mean, there's lots of crazy things out there. And the reason why people believe this stuff is because they are ignorant of the righteousness that belongs to God. And because they don't want... By the way, most ignorance is on purpose today, isn't it? You know what a real definition of purposeful ignorance is? Stupidity. You shouldn't use that word from the pulpit. Well, I mean, we've got to be honest now, don't we? If we can't be honest here, where can we be honest? I mean, 
Ignorance is one thing. Ignorance can be fixed. But ignorance on purpose, I mean, there's just no excuse for it. And we'll find out this passage, if we get very far through here, is going to tell us there is no excuse. But they have not submitted them unto themselves, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Do you know how easy it is to submit yourself unto the righteousness of God? Paul on the road to Damascus said, Who art thou, Lord? Does anybody remember the next question? What wilt thou have me do, Lord? He submitted to the righteousness of God. He's the guy that wrote this book, by the way. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. There is no checklist to get into heaven. There is no list of do's and don'ts that's going to get you into heaven or keep you out of heaven, my friend, because Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness, now here's the, here is the condition here, to everyone that what? That believeth. And we go on here, it says, For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Now that's pretty simple. All you have to do to have righteousness which is of, of the law is just keep it. Oh, the Ten Commandments? Yeah. And the 603 others too, by the way. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament law. The Ten Commandments was simply the covenant or the preamble or the, uh, uh, the agreement that you were going to keep all 613. The 603 others were no less important than the first 10. I have yet to meet anyone trying to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments that could even tell me all Ten Commandments. A couple years ago, we had uh, one of the Boy Scout troops or whatever in the area here, and they said, we have a Ten Commandments hike, and we'd like your church to, to do one of the commandments. Oh, really? Uh, now, you're going to give me a script that I have to read? No, no, you can just teach us what you believe about that commandment. I said, wow, I'm not going to turn down that opportunity. I'll, I'll free, you know, we had uh, probably 80 kids and 40 or 50 adults in here with them, and, and uh, they came on an afternoon, a break from school, and I got uh, the commandment, thou shalt not lie. Well, that was back during the Clinton days. And one of the little kids asked a question. What's the difference between your church and the Catholic church? And you could just hear all the adults going, <gasps> What's he going to say? I tell you that story because they didn't have the Ten Commandments right. They took commandment number two, Thou shalt not have make unto thee any graven images, out because that would offend some of the churches that they were going to because their churches were full of statues or icons or representations of the saints 
And so they took the 10th commandment and split it in two to make 9 and 10. If you're going to get to heaven by keeping the law, you have to keep the law. All of it. Uh, by the way, did anybody ever read Romans chapter 3? Verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The writer here, Paul, is trying to teach us that nobody can keep the law. In fact, if I were to ask you how many of you have broken one of the Ten Commandments this week, every hand in here would have to go up. And if your hand didn't go up, you just broke that other one that I talked about, thou shalt not lie. Now, we don't glory in our sin. We're not happy about that. But what we are praising God about is that I don't have to earn my righteousness by keeping the law because I can't. Christ is the end of the law because he kept every commandment, all 613. By the way, he could quote them, amen? Because he wrote them, amen? It was his law. He kept every commandment. And when he stood before the high priest as they tried to condemn him, he said, which one of you convinceth me of sin? And they couldn't answer him. Finally, he said, I am the Son of God. And they condemned him for blasphemy because they knew he wasn't. Yet, all he was doing was telling the truth. Amen. Which is what goes on today. You want to get in real trouble? Just tell the truth. Amen. You have everybody angry at you if you tell the truth. But we've often said, if you can't be honest in church, where can you be honest? That's what we're here searching. Look at verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And all God's people said. I mean, that's what the Bible says. There's a lot of people that get stuck at verse 5 and 6. I mean, verse 6 and 7. Who shall ascend into heaven? Who shall descend into the deep or into hell? Just turn on the television sometime. Anybody heard of a guy named Ernest Angley? He's one of those cracked preachers out of Akron, Ohio. He says, when I was a little child, God took me into heaven to tell me all the things that I would do for him. You know what? He's quoting Romans chapter 10 and verse 6. But here's what happens. 
It says that is to bring Christ down from above. You know what they're doing when they say these prophets and these preachers and these whatever they are out there that say they've ascended into heaven? They are demeaning the work of Jesus Christ and elevating themselves. They're blasphemers beyond any degree of sensibility. But they're there. We have preachers who claim that they've they've been to hell and back. Uh Uh-uh. If you make that claim, you're probably going to end up there someday, but you're not coming back. And by the way, we're not happy about that. Because God is not pleased. He never intended one human soul to be in a place called hell. But pray tell, what is God to do with a human being that has rejected everything that God has already done for them? You think he's going to let them into heaven? It only took one sin to make the mess in which we live today called earth. God is not going to let that happen again because he paid the price for every sin. There's no excuse. Amen. And people want to do all these wild things. I just don't feel like I've been moved to the right degree. Well, let me tell you something. Read the Bible. Read Luke chapter 16. There's things to feel in hell. There's things to feel in heaven. But your your decision to go to either one of those places is not determined on how you feel. It's determined by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If we could just get past all of these fantastic inventions of mankind and understand, the Bible says the word is nigh thee. It says, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That's how close the word is to you. Salvation is here today. It's the word of faith which we preach. We only have one message at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and this is the message, that if thou, you by yourself, shall confess with thy mouth, that means to tell the truth, amen? Here's the truth. The Lord Jesus. That's the truth. The, that definite article, it's important. There are many people out there willing to confess a Lord Jesus, one of many. That is not salvation. The Romans were more than willing to add Jesus to the pantheon of God. In fact, they were willing to go in and take Zeus off the throne and write Jesus underneath and say, Jesus is the real king of all the gods. But that would be blasphemy. And when the Christians, when the emperor finally understood that in order to accept Jesus, you had to go down and close down the pantheon and shut down all of those temples and only worship the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when Christians started showing up at mealtime for the animals in the Colosseum. By the way, the Christians were the meal. They fed them to animals. I could not begin to describe in this auditorium the things that were done to people 
who have named the name of Jesus Christ, whose only crime was that they would not worship any man, any group, anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Heinous crime, is it not? There were tens of thousands of people put to death in the Middle Ages because they wanted to have a knowledge according to God's word and not according to some priest or monk or some teacher. They just wanted to read this book in their own language. They were hunted like game. They were tortured. They were cruelly deprived of everything they possessed. They were put into unspeakable pain and agony until their health and their mind and everything about them snapped under the pressure. And if they would confess and say, I believe in the Holy Church that is doing all of these horrible things to me, they would be instantly put to death that they might not lapse back into a belief in God alone. Horrible, horrible things. The extremes of hatred that people will go to to enforce their own religion. We're not here to enforce anything. The word is not even believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the Lord. Singular, all by himself. By the way, the word Lord denotes ownership, denotes leadership. The word Lord denotes and demands the right to order those under his authority and they are to carry out the commands that the Lord gives. You say, we live in America, we're free. We don't have any lords. How many of you have a landlord? How many of you better do what the landlord says that you better do with his apartment or her apartment or you lose your apartment? Isn't that the way it works? Now, why can't we let Jesus be our life lord? Amen. I promise you, he'll do a better job with it than you can. Because he's God. He knows what's best. He knows the future. He knows it all. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Years ago I was preaching out on on 30th Avenue down by the train station. And a man reached into his pocket and pulled a dollar bill out and started waving it at me and said, This is my God. I said, do you know anything about October 29th, 1929? He stopped and turned around and looked at me. I said, that's the day your God died. Stock market crash. Wall Street was littered with bodies of people who had lost everything. I said, if that's your God, you don't got much of one. But he went right on his merry little way. Because if you're not willing to trust Jesus to save you, the Bible's very clear, he won't. 
It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how simple it is. Jesus gave the story of the, of the publican that said, God, be, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all you need to do to get saved. Confess thee, Lord Jesus. Amen. God will do the rest. Verse 14 tells us why. The first reason, people won't submit unto the righteousness of God. The second reason, they do not want the righteousness which is of faith. They want the righteousness that they can get from somewhere else. Here's another reason why people do not believe. Verse 14, How shall they call on him in whom they have believed, not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, Beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, or Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There are some people that have not believed because they've never heard. It's interesting, it doesn't say, so faith cometh by reading, and reading by the word of God. It says, so faith cometh by hearing. That's why the center of our services at Open Door Bible Baptist Church are the teaching and preaching of this book called the Bible. If you're going to get faith, if you're concerned about faith, there's only one way to get it. Yes, you need to read this book when you got, get home. If you want to get tapes of the Bible and listen to them, that's good. But you need to be under the preaching of God's Word if you're going to get faith. That's what the Bible says. Then we come down. In verses 18, it says, But I say, have they not heard? The answer is, yes, verily. Yeah, there are people who will hear, but they're not going to submit to the message of this book called the Bible. And yes, the word is submission. It is a willful folding of my will to that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone said, well, I, I prayed that prayer. I, I'm willing to, to pray, but, but, you know, He expects me to live my life, doesn't He? No. God doesn't expect you to live your life. He wants you to live His life. Well, i got to pay the bills. Yeah, you got to pay the bills. But the bills you have to pay are the ones that God gives you, not the ones that you give you. Amen? The choices that need to be made are the ones that are made in this book. We submit ourselves to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does all the saving. We reap all the benefits. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ 
29 years ago this past August. And I am here to give you testimony that these words are true. And if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you'll just follow his words, your life can be what God wants it to be. And let me tell you something, it's a whole lot better than what the world has to offer. The things that you're looking for, peace, purpose, a reason to live, are all wrapped up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never go wrong. What does it say here? It says, but Isaiah is very bold, verse 20. I was found, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. You read the history of Israel. We've been going through it in Sunday school. It is disobedience after disobedience after disobedience. And every once in a while they get it right. But before we're too hard on the children of Israel, I'd like you just to take a few moments and review your own life for the past week and see if it doesn't fit the mold. Every once in a while we get something right. Obey God and he blesses us for us, doesn't he? Listen. The primary understanding of this verse is talking about the children of Israel. But I will tell you there's an awful lot of people living right here in the United States that have heard the gospel so much they got comfortable with it and have never believed it, just like the children of Israel. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something extra. I'm waiting for the bells and whistles. I'm waiting to go to heaven or go to hell and then come back and then I'll be saved. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It's so simple that even a child can believe. But if we as adults will not lay aside our pride and all of our decisions and all of our things, you cannot be saved the Bible way. And by the way, what's good for salvation, my friend, is good for daily living. Amen? It's how we make our decisions based upon the words of this book. There are reasons why people are not saved. Number one, they will not submit unto the righteousness that belongs to God. They're trying to find their own. Number two, they will not submit to the righteousness which is of faith. They're looking for the bells and the whistles. They're waiting for somebody to come along that's, that claims they've been to heaven or claims they've been to hell or been somewhere in between and found something new, something special, something unbelievable that no one else has ever found before. You know what the Bible says? It says this book is of no private interpretation. If you're the only person in history smart enough to figure it out, you're not near as smart as you think you are. It's simple. In fact, this is one of the only churches, or a church like this is the only kind of church that you're going to come to where somebody will hand you a Bible and say, go home and read it and study for yourself and see if what we said here isn't what's written down here. Because that's what our church is about. That's what it means. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. All you have to do is surrender and believe on the Lord Jesus. 
But if you're waiting for bells and whistles and fantastic phenomena, it's not going to happen. Some people are not saved because they haven't heard. But the vast majority are not saved because they don't want to hear. And we're here today to encourage you to surrender to the words of this book and be saved. We're here to encourage you to surrender every day to the words of these books, and of this book called the Bible, of these books that make up our Bible, and let God make your decisions so that your life can be ordered according to his word, so that your family can be built upon the word of God, so your kids can grow up not being tossed to and fro with all the things that go on in the world, not having to experiment and try to find out whether there's, there's any good in all of these things that are out there. The Bible gives us the answers. All we have to do is believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word today. We look at these reasons that you give us why people are not saved. Lord, my prayer is that there would not be one such person in this auditorium, but that cannot be true in a group this size. Lord, we come before you and ask you to do your work in hearts and lives. We pray for those that are here today without the Savior. Lord, that today may be the day of their salvation. They would simply surrender to you and be saved. Lord, we pray for those that are here today that are struggling with life. That they would simply surrender to your word and let you order their steps. Lord, we pray that there would be no one here that is willfully ignorant, willfully unhearing, choosing not to listen to your words. We ask that you would be honored and glorified by the offering of a broken and contrite spirit, saying, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Lord, I believe and I want to live for you. Pray for your grace to guide me each step of the way. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.